Hi, everyone. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. I'm Katie. I'm here with Nina and Tyler today. Hello. Hi. You were, Nina and I did an episode by ourselves. I think you guys might have done two by yourselves. Did I we? I think so. We yeah. had a guest maybe before. I don't remember. You know I was, how I, I never I was in the middle of, of a farm with zero self interception. Oh, oh, that's right. <laughs> shoveling horse manure with our 10 year old daughter. Sounds so, fun. yeah. Like, it was you, actually great. Honestly, it was a fun, fun quite time. Quite a vacation. For yeah. <laughs> Except when you called me the first day, you were like, you wouldn't make it out here. And no, I was like, yeah, no. I'll just own it. Poop, I will not. Poop in five gallon buckets <laughs> yeah. and throw them in the human waste pile. Yeah, yeah I'm that's good. That's not your jam. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's not your cup of tea. Not my jam either. <laughs> this morning, we were drive- I was driving the children to school and uh, Macy had a bug on her hand in the back seat. And Ellie looked back and said, oh my gosh, is that a tick on her hand? <gasps> oh my God. I stopped the car. I can't believe it didn't crash. At the light, I got out of the vehicle. In the intersection, and I went and got it off her hand because I thought it was a tick. What was it? I don't know, <laughs> but it kind of okay. looked like a tick. Was it flat and circle? I killed it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, it, but it died really easily. I don't know if that's a tick. Ticks yeah, are kinda kinda hard. And so I was like, oh, I think they're harder to kill. Yeah. But like the 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 reaction that I got was like, oh, we don't care if we're in the middle of the road. We are Absolutely. Yeah. Take out, out both the, lanes. You're yeah. in the freeway and just pulled over like, on the side. I hope you break oh second. Like, ticks are a no for our yeah. family. Well, gross. You've gone through the you've gone through the hurdle of having someone in our family get Lyme's disease and have to No, that. and it's Ellie really... looked at me and she was like, Oh, mama's not gonna let Lyme disease come back to this family. Yeah, and I was fact. like, You got that fact. right. We are pulling over. Oh yeah. Uh, and I drive a stick, so I was like trying to like I just had to turn the car off because I was like, the car's gonna roll back. And oh my god. <laughs> it was funny. Sounds like a scene. Anyway, yeah. I like how I'm hearing the story right now, like probably two <laughs> hours after it happened. I, for, I forgot until you brought the farm. Yeah. Anyways. Um, anyway, I send my children to school uh, smelling like uh, Thanksgiving turkeys because I like season them with all kinds of oh, like, like essential oils. And yeah. yeah, thyme and yeah. garlic oil. Just get the ticks away Just from put us. them in the oven for a couple hours. And- um, but anyway, welcome back. And thank you for doing that volunteer work so that I didn't have to. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> Um, well, we have a great guest today. This is, uh, I'm really excited about his perspective. We haven't had a perspective on this topic from a male before on the podcast. And so I want to just jump right in. Uh, if you could do us the, the, the do us the delight, Nina. Uh-oh. And, uh-oh. This is going to be a rough bio. <laughs> and no, I hope, I think, I think we're good. And um, let it re- share. I can't do it. I think we're going to have to edit all this out. I think we're going to have to edit all this out. Okay. I'll just go. So today we have with us Mike Milner. He is, has been a high level nutrition coach for over 10 years. He has a gift for understanding the psychological and physiological needs of his clients, which has led to thousands of success stories. He has certified over 400 coaches on his personality based approach with an emphasis on mindset and is quickly becoming one of the leading experts on goal achievement. With that, welcome, Mike. We're so happy to have you. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Hopefully we can speak clearly today. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, Sorry I had to sit through all that tick banter from the beginning <laughs> tick there. TikTok. This is the... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> welcome to the giggle cast, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, welcome. Why don't we start by... Can you tell us just a little bit more about what you do so the listeners have sort of a little bit more context and then we'll go into your story? Yeah, of course. So I... I run a nutrition coaching company, uh, which is more based off of habits, lifestyle, trying to help people just uh, find a version of themselves that they feel most connected with. And it kind of all started from my own personal journey. I went through a lot with body image issues and um, you know, kind of like the family dynamic that I grew up in. I was exposed to diet culture from a very young age and 
witnessed my mom always being on a diet. My oldest sister uh, almost lost her life to anorexia. And uh, I had, you know, didn't realize what was happening at the time. But then as I got older, a lot of the same traits that I noticed in my family kind of all came to fruition in myself. And so it was kind of a dark and rocky road that then led me to eventually crawling out of that dark space and finding my own way. And then I wanted to pay it forward. I wanted to help people avoid all the same mistakes that I made and a lot of the mental frustration and uh, turmoil that I went through. And that was really the catalyst for me starting the business and the concept behind the business and, and making it more about, you know, kind of feeling your best and being able to um, just be comfortable in your own skin and not so much about, you know, what does the number on the scale say, or what is your body composition? And, um, and, and it's been, you know, I, there's, I've had the business for about five years. I've been in the industry for over 10. Uh, I've learned a lot through the process and, and a lot of things that I feel like I've identified just some gaps that I feel like exist in the industry and have been fortunate enough to fill them with clients who, who put their faith in myself and my team. And that's kind of the, the short version of, of how it all came to be. What were the mistakes you made and those like emotional hurdles that you had to face? I think sometimes the most important thing for people to have is just somebody to say, here's some things you could be potentially aware of and not even know you're trapped in, in this right now. So the first one that comes to mind was when I recognized, so I grew up an athlete and I was always playing sports. I was always active. I never had to worry about what I was eating or how I was exercising. And after I graduated college, I was no longer doing organized sports. I was eating like a typical college kid and drinking a lot like a typical college kid. And I gained a lot of weight very quickly. And I remember there was just one day that I woke up. I was at in, I went to University of Maryland. I woke up one morning, I went to the bathroom. And for some reason that morning, it like all hit me at once. It was like, oh my God, I don't recognize myself. And because I'm more introverted, I make friends through sports. And I had my whole life and had a group of friends from high school that I met through playing soccer and basketball. And that was just how I connected with people. So in my mind, I needed to get the weight off as fast as I possibly could to get back to quote unquote being me. Mm-hmm. And I, there was all these stories that were swirling around in my head about what people would say if they saw me and the, you know, what happened to you? How did you let yourself go? You know, I thought, you know, I had this, this standard of an athlete that I had to uphold and all of a sudden it was gone. So my solution was, let me try to get this weight off as fast as humanly possible. So I started doing hours of cardio every day. I started to restrict myself on how many calories I could eat. And I was trying to eat as little as humanly possible and work out as much as I possibly could. And in the beginning, weight would come flying off of me. And then inevitably, I would always reach a breaking point where I would I would binge, I would overindulge, I would feel horrible about myself, I would go into this like guilt and shame spiral, I would berate myself, I would promise to do better, and I would start the process all over again. So that was really the biggest mistake was I just kept going from unsustainable program to unsustainable program, and it was always just a different version of the same thing. Like any any like infomercial or marketing uh, you know, strategy that was like, lose weight as fast as you can. Like I was the easiest victim of that. I was so susceptible to any message that promised quick results. I would jump in both feet. Let's do this. This time I'm going to be successful. And it never worked. And so that was really like the, it, not only did it not work, but it actually made my relationship with my body worse. It made my relationship with food worse. It made my relationship with exercise worse. And I just 
it made me question so much about myself because I never blamed the program. I always blamed me. Why can't I have more discipline? Why can't Ooh, I have that's, more willpower? That's something to write down, right? I never blamed the program. I always blamed me. That's big. And, th- and that was what led me to keep trying because I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't think that I'm a failure, but I have all this evidence that I can't be consistent. I, and I just kept going back to the same thing. It's like, you know, trying to get out of an abusive relationship. The, the relationship was with dieting and it took me a while to recognize the, the patterns there and how destructive it was. So I would say that, that that's the biggest mistake that stands out as, you know, the, the catalyst that really led me to a dark place mentally. I think tens of millions of people are stuck in this pattern and it's so hard to watch. And I, I think I've had my own experiences with this in my own way, but I feel like so many people, they just, they want to go so fast and they get promised that there's speed there and they can you know get results in two weeks or whatever. And the whole process ends up being one step forward, one step back, right? Like show up for a diet or your workout because you're judging the crap out of yourself. You push yourself way too far. You give up, you stop doing anything. And then you repeat the cycle and 30 years goes by and you wake up and you're like, wow, I'm like worse off than when I started. And really the, the solution, at least in, in, in my opinion, is like baby steps, build those strong foundations, right? And that's what gets you so far a lot faster, ironically, than the things that tell you they can go really fast. Well, I want to say, I think there's a step before that. And it's what Mike said, which was, I had an attachment to this identity as an athlete. And mm. when I looked in the mirror, I no longer saw that person. And I, that was how I existed in the world. Starts with and shame. That, the episode that Nina and I did just by the, ourselves, we talked a lot about the downside and the pitfalls of any attachment that mm. we attach our identity to, yeah. because then we act from that place of attachment, even if that place doesn't serve us, whether it's through money or through a body that we think we should have. It's like somewhere along the way, we get a message that this is who I am. And if I steer away from this, I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. And it's the attachments to those identities, in my opinion, that are the things that should be addressed. And it, we live in a culture that says you should be attached to that body image. You should be attached to that scale. That's how you find your worth. And so any way that we can discover these attachments that we have and really dissect the root of why we believe we have to be that way, I think is even the first step. But I'm really curious, Mike, because, you know, we've had so it's very many... Buddhist of you, by the way. I like <laughs> Sorry. It. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, all suffering I comes just, from attachments. It just it is. To alleviate suffering, we must detach. <laughs> I mean, but we all do it in our own ways, whether we know it or not. We all have things that we think are like, oh, that's me. That's the way I... It's like, well, that's just another attachment. And what happens if that goes away? Right. I mean, right. if you're an athlete and you get you know, injured really badly. It's like all of a sudden your life your, sucks. Your because worth you're isn't, the, your worth yeah. is at stake. Yeah. And or even your friendships. I mean, Mike yeah. mentioned that was how he connected with people. Yeah. yeah. And like, what a hard thing to feel like you're losing and missing out on. And to me, like, actually one of my friends messaged me this yesterday. Like, isn't it so amazing to go through so many seasons of you and then just see who's still at the other side of that? Like mm-hmm. that is the definition of like true authentic connection and relationship is like, I've molded and been through all these different phases of my life and 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 you're still here. But what I really want to talk about Mike is like we've had so many like professional eating disorder therapists on the podcast, so many female perspectives. It, it is rare to have a male come out and talk about this. Um and it was funny one of the podcasts where I had an eating disorder specialist on, I said to her, I said, you know, we have to talk about females. Like, this is really prevalent. Like, I have two daughters. I have to understand this better. And she was like, well, actually, men suffer from this too. They just don't talk about it. And so, like, women are getting diagnosed with it more, but those people are usually seeking help. 
And so I'm just so curious to hear more about your experience in that disordered eating. Like, what was that like for you? How did how did you feel in a culture that really like that? Like that doesn't that doesn't happen all the time. Where did you get that courage to really say, no, this is my experience. This is what's happening for me. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. I think a lot of men struggle and just don't talk about it and don't ask for help and don't want to admit that they have a problem. And I was that way for a long time. In fact, uh, my, my oldest sister, who I mentioned, um, suffered from an eating disorder. She went on to become an eating disorder specialist and is a, is a therapist now and has been really successful. And she was the one that first pointed that out to me that she thought I might have an issue. And she did yeah. it from a place of, of caring and, and love. And I just couldn't receive the message. She asked if I would go out to lunch with her. We had lunch and I'm here like, I'll have a salad, but no dressing, no cheese, just grilled chicken. Don't cook it in oil. Don't cook it in butter. Just give me the lettuce raw and like the chicken and that's it. And she's like, Hey, this is kind of what I want to talk to you about. And, <laughs> and so she's like, you know, have you ever heard of orthorexia? And I said, no. And she said, orthorexia is, you know, a, a form of disordered eating where you have an obsession with, with clean eating, with eating a certain way that fits into your definition of quote unquote healthier or clean foods. And I remember just like taking a second and then getting really defensive. And I'm like, mm. I just am trying to be healthy. I don't understand why that's a problem. And I just went off and was not that the message was not going to land. But, you know, funny enough, it was not that long after that conversation where I was sitting on my couch and it kind of like slapped me over the face. And I was like, oh my God, she's right. I have a problem and I really need to get help. And the awareness piece actually came from Nina, what you mentioned about friendships, because I'm somebody who values connection. I value people who are close to me. I value my family. I value my friends. And yet my obsession with food and with clean eating was the thing that drove me far away from everybody that I loved. So it drew, uh, you know, it created a wedge in my relationship with my sister. It created a wedge in my relationship with my friends because they want to hang out. They want to go out to dinner. And I'm like, well, I don't know how I'm going to eat out at a restaurant. Like, God forbid, it's not the cleanest of foods that I'm consuming. So I'm going to pretend like I have plans or I'm sick or something. And now all of a sudden I'm driving my friends further away. And then I'm just left on my couch with my chicken and broccoli and completely miserable because the thing that I say is my highest value is now lost in my life. And that was the moment of awareness that was, I need to do something about this. So I would say, I don't, I don't know what made me have the courage. I wish I could say that there was something that I could transfer into everybody who is struggling with that and feels like they can't ask for help. It was just, I didn't feel like I had a choice. I felt like I need to solve this problem because it's impacting the most important part of my life, which is the people that I care about, my family, my friends, relationships. Uh, I was previously married and my obsession with food and exercise and my body absolutely drove a wedge. And uh, we've since separated and, and I'm divorced but and about to remarry. But anyway, the, the relationship with my ex-wife, I wouldn't say that that was the reason why we ended up divorced. I don't think that we were right for each other, but it absolutely did not help trying to mend the issues that we had. And it just, it was really toxic. It was really damaging. And I felt like, I don't, I don't think that there was any other option. It was either I solve this problem or it's going to take away everything that I love in life. Wow. I got to say one thing, which is, you know, you mentioned, you know, men suffer in silence and don't ask for help. And 
so much of our society rewards like that stoic figure who doesn't put their, you know, their problems on other people. But I think it's personally, I think it's a huge, huge problem in our society and something that we need to create better mentorship in over young, young boys. And also just giving men permission to like feel their feelings, acknowledge them and ask for help because, you know, we might find ourselves in the same position as, as, um, someone else, but not, not say, Hey, I'm really struggling here because we're taught to suppress it. Is that, has that been your experience and working with clients? I assume you work with male clients as, as well. Like how do you get people to crack that shell and say, wait, th- I do have a problem. This is hard for me. I do need help. Yeah, I do find uh, we work with both men and women. And I do find that, you know, the majority of our clients are women because uh, women are just, I think it's more acceptable uh, for women to express their emotions and express that they have something they're struggling with and they want to get help. And I think that it does start at a young age. Uh, And I think that it's, it's a learned habit. I think it's a learned process to suppress emotions. I know for me, it was something that I witnessed that like as a man, you're not, it's not okay to show your emotions or show quote unquote weakness or anything like that. It was, it was something that I don't think was inherent. I think it was something that I learned through observation. And, and then I think there is a societal standard that says, well, if you're a man and you do show emotion, then that, that makes you weak or that makes you less than, or whatever the, you know, the interpretation of that message is based off of, you know, the individual and their experience. And Um, I think that it's just, it starts with how do we spread a message to, you know, boys, teenagers, that it is a sign of strength to ask for help. It's a sign of strength to say, I'm not okay. It's a sign of strength to say, you know, this is what I'm feeling. And, you know, I I really don't think that it's something that is inherent in us as, as men. I think that it is something that we learn through observation. And I think that, you know, hopefully we can kind of change the tide and make it more acceptable and, and just, you know, reward that, that process of, of sharing. That's something that, that we do. My, uh, my fiance and I, she has three kids. Um, her middle child's a boy and, you know, he is very expressive and he's very in tune with his emotions. And we try to reward that and say like, that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And, and it, you know, and I'm hopeful that we can change the standard. Uh, but I think that, you know, like, like any massive change that we're trying to make in societal norms, I think, it takes time and it takes a collective effort. And, you know, all I'm looking to do is just a little bit of an improvement across the board as much as, as we can help with what we do. And as much as we can influence, you know, our kids and uh, the people that we influence, I think that's, that's really where it begins and conversations like this. Yeah. I think that we also as adults can always look back and see the deficits of our culture and the family dynamics and parenting but always there isn't there is a perspective that we can take that's very empowering that you, like we all have an opportunity as adults to reparent those parts of ourselves. So it is really hard when you are saying, "Hey, I used to participate in be attached to this identity of like I have to be in shape and I have to have this number and I can't show my emotions and I and it's hard to break free from that, but when you do, I think you do have a phenomenal gift of empowerment to reshape the way that you were parented and parent yourself in that way. And I think that each person doing that collectively is what makes the change and and the new norm happen. And I think that's what we're trying to do at WeShape is say like, it's okay to unsubscribe from these things that you were attached to, especially if they're not serving you. So can I ask a question? Sure. I want to make a comment. Okay. okay. (laughs) I, I just, I think you're being so kind on the other side of this saying like, oh yeah, like 
people don't uh, support you in expressing your feelings as a man. I just want to call it out. Like the truth is, it's not they don't support you. It's like they shame you. They they treat you like shit if you don't show up as the guy who can maintain you know stoicism and emotional regulation and. And then, um, you know, the other side of it is all of a sudden you start getting in touch with your feelings and then people are like, whoa, they're like they can't handle it because they're not they're not used to a man being in touch with, um, you know, feelings that they they aren't used to seeing. And I just think it's really it's a huge problem. And I think that you're doing the right thing. And I just want to thank you, Mike, for just recognizing that in yourself, changing that in yourself and looking at the future generations and doing that. You know, earlier we talked about how I got to volunteer for a farm trip and I have two daughters, which I absolutely love. And I'm so grateful to have two little girls. But you know, there was a bunch of little boys there. And one thing that became really apparent to me was even at this alternative school, even with this, like, um, this, um, empathic education and everything, these little boys are caught up in the same things that all the rest of us are. And I had to like step in and kind of correct things a lot with them. Not, not in a negative way, but you know, one would start to shame another one about, you know, basically like being a wuss or something like that. And you just have to come in and say, no, like let everybody be who they want to be, you know? And, and I think it's just so important for, there to be a lot more male mentors out there that say it's okay to feel your feelings. Boys cry, right? That's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Um, and so anyways, I just wanted to just call that out because I think you're being too kind with the, the, oh yeah, when you don't show your feelings, people like don't, don't tr treat you like a certain way. I'm like, I was treated like shit when I would express my feelings. And that's, that's a big deal. Like you're, you're being punished the same way you punish a dog if they're like barking too much and you beat them or something like that. You know, you're trying to condition them into not feeling their feelings. So I think it's really important to call that out. What were you going to say, Nina? Well, my question, question is a different, different angle. So um, not to be moving on from that, but um, thank you for sharing that, Tyler and Mike. Definitely you guys are both doing hard work in that area. So we're grateful for that. Um, but I, you brought something up that I thought was really valuable. You talked about how your relationship was, with food was actually like severing your relationship with the people around you. Mm. And I think that's so fascinating because food is more than just nutritional value, right? Like you're someone who works with clients about nutrition. You're an expert in this area. And like I, we talk about this a lot in different avenues of what we do at WeShape, but there's nutritional value to food and there's like emotional and psychological and like other pieces in that puzzle. And I have so much curiosity how you balance that because I personally believe that you can connect with people over food, that that's a part of our human nature to want to sit around. I mean, we could go back to sitting around a campfire and and eating, you know, roasted meats because we're cave people or whatever. Like it's been a tradition for thousands and thousands of years to sit with the people you love and share food with them. And I think that that can feed you in a way that is emotionally really healthy. Um, and so I'm curious how you balance that with clients, because I know people use the word emotional eating as like a very big, like, this is bad. Don't ever do that. Like, you know, this isn't a thing. But when I think about eating, you know, the recipe my grandmother makes and remembering being with her and spending time with her, like that feeds a part of my soul and is a good thing, I think, for me psychologically and, and mentally. So how do you balance that with your clients? How do you balance that in yourself as someone who's recovered from disordered eating? Um, what are your take? What's your take on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So what I like to do is, is help them with what I call frame control. And like frame control is just the perception that you have around the thing that you're trying to adjust. Or, you know, it could be binge eating. It could be emotional eating. Um, something that I struggled with for a long time was binge eating and then struggled with emotional eating. And the frame that I viewed that through originally was that I was doing something wrong. So I had to punish myself because I was being bad. I was, I was off track. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. There was a lot of guilt around that. And then once I changed the frame to understand what those things were doing for me, that binge eating was keeping me safe and keeping me alive. And that emotional eating was a form of 
stress relief and it was familiarity and there was comfort there and it was soothing me that the frame all of a sudden changed that these things aren't harming me. They're not doing something to me. They are actually there for me. And all of a sudden when it, it's not, it's not the moment, it's not the, the time that you are feeling really emotional. So you go and you indulge in a bunch of cookies and you're feeling really bad about it. It's not that moment. It's really the story that you create around that moment and then the actions following that moment because you've created this narrative and then your your perceptions become your beliefs, your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your actions, your actions become your outcome. So by changing the perception, you change that whole line and series of events where when I viewed emotional eating as something that I did that was harmful and it was wrong and it needed to be punished, the follow-up to that was I need to restrict myself even more mm-hmm. because I need to be even more perfect if I'm going to make up for this act of defiance, right? And then I would go on and, and try to reduce my calories and be even more strict. And inevitably, I would create the cycle all over again. Once I removed the connotation of this is something that I'm doing wrong, and I'm like, I know what this is doing for me. I know that this is there to protect me. I know this is there to keep me safe. All of a sudden, it's no longer good or bad. It just is. It's something that served me in the moment. And now I can decide from that place, what do I want to do moving forward? That means that I can choose nourishing foods that actually feel good. And I can pay attention to how those foods make me feel when I'm looking at it more as you know nourishment versus punishment. So the follow-up would, would be food is now punishment. I'm restricting myself. I'm depriving myself to make up for this thing versus I'm going to take this moment and I'm going to recognize how it was serving me. And then I'm going to decide to eat foods that nourish me, that make me feel my best. And from that perspective, now I can start to make decisions that really align with how I want to feel on a more regular basis. And then I can start to insert more productive outlets. Maybe emotional eating is actually not the best form of you know an outlet for myself in certain moments. Maybe in some moments it is, but I could bring that to conscious awareness and say, is this really the thing that I want to do right now in this moment? Or would it be more productive for me to just get outside and go for a walk instead? And I can make that choice. And sometimes it's the food and sometimes it's the walk. But in the grand scheme of things, if I know that I'm making those choices from a place of, of conscious awareness, then I'm on the right path no matter what. And that's really what we try to get our clients to that place where it's like so many times we'll have a client that feels like they have a quote unquote trigger food. And then through awareness, they're like, I honestly don't even like the food. Like <laughs> once I'm in tune with how it makes me feel, I don't even like the taste. It doesn't even make me feel good. And they're like, I don't, I don't even need it. Now I'd prefer to do something else. Or there's moments where they're like, yeah, I actually, I really did want that. But I took a few bites and I realized that was plenty and I didn't need to have the whole container, whatever it may be. And once you can get to that place and you change the frame of how you're perceiving those events, the whole narrative and the whole cycle of follow-up, it, it just completely changes the the outcome and how you perceive it and how you move forward. And I, I think you're that. just like really highlighting why diets don't work. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say. Because having conscious awareness of self is not something that somebody else can prescribe to you. Like everybody, like when people come to WeShape, they're like, how many days a week should I work out? What food should I eat? I'm like, that is 100% not my responsibility to tell you that. Like this is your body. Only you you know, have the power to tap in and know exactly what you might need. I understand this is why we have the podcast, because I understand that to go from being in heavy, toxic diet culture and exercise culture 
to what you're talking about is is a journey. But I think you're absolutely highlighting why diets do not work because what you just said is so uniquely individual and there's no right or wrong way. And it's it's about developing that deep inner sense of knowing of who you are and what you need and what your patterning is. So I appreciate the way you shared that because I think people are always like, but don't, I think people want to cling on to, well, diets do work. It's like, no, well, there's going to be one someday that's going to, like yeah. maybe the 400 you've already done didn't, but like there's going to be 401 and that yeah. one's going to work finally, yeah. you know, <laughs> and be easy and simple and all, you know, but it's just, I, I so agree with what you both shared and I love the frame perspective. That's a really, really strong way to look at that. Hey there, if you're enjoying the We Shape podcast and you've heard us talk about We Shape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is We Shape? Well, at We Shape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to WeShape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. It sounded like underneath that frame, though, what I hear is so much of your your suffering came from that frame being like self-judgment, right? Like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm going to judge myself and I'm going to beat myself up like I should be better. I should be I should be like, again, those attachments that Katie was talking about. How do you encourage people? who are stuck in that frame of self-judgment or self-hatred, how do you get them to make that leap? Because it's a process, like we're, we're saying, right? Like I can imagine, you know, you have to build awareness, but then you got to get a lot of good reps before that starts to become um, a standard in how you think about things. Yeah, completely. I think the first step is awareness and it's identifying the the narrative that's going on or even the identity that you're attaching to where those judgments are coming from and then getting the reps, in my opinion, the reps is the process of challenging your thoughts and not accepting every thought as fact. Like we have tens of thousands of thoughts every single day. Not all of them are based in truth. Not all of them are fact based and most of them are not. Most of them are based off of stories or things that we've been told about ourselves. And, you know, I had an experience in, in high school where I had an English teacher that told me I wasn't a good writer. And that became my internal dialogue. So I just assumed it to be true because a teacher said it. And then I told myself that I wasn't a good writer. So I stopped writing and I would avoid any writing assignment. I went to college, tried to avoid any class that I might have to write and went years thinking that I couldn't write until I was forced to much later in life. And I actually found a lot of joy in the process. And I was like, oh my God, this thing that I've been avoiding for so long, I actually like doing it. And then I just kept doing it over and over again. And then I published a book and I was like, I went from not thinking I could write to being a published author. And those are the things where the story that you create might not even be your own story, but we have to get to the root of it. Like, is this actually based in truth? Do we have any evidence to the contrary? Most of the time, yes. Most of the time we say these things about ourselves, about our worthiness or are we lovable or are we enough? And we just accept it as truth. So the, the hard part is actually identifying what those beliefs are and challenging them and journaling or 
sitting in, you know, alone and having some stillness and quiet time or reflection where you actually go through the process of seeing where did this come from? Is it, is it my story or is it something that somebody said to me that I internalized? And do I want to believe this? Is this serving me or is there a better version of this narrative that I can create? And I think that's the empowering piece is you can change any narrative that currently exists. Any belief system can be changed. Any judgment can be changed. It's just, we have to know it exists, where it came from. And then we just go through the process of challenging it and coming up with evidence to the contrary, and then rewriting a new narrative that better serves the person that we want to become. And that's a whole nother area of really getting comfortable and, and close with that future version of yourself that you want to become. A lot of people make decisions based off of, of more, like I want more money and more weight loss and more things, but they don't actually view that through the lens of moving closer to the person that they want to become. So I, I have you know certain principles that I look at, like kind of guiding principles, because I know I'm human and I have blind spots and I have biases. So I look at, all right, if I'm going to make a decision the first thing that I'm going to ask myself is, does this move me closer to the things that I actually want, my highest value hierarchy, or am I just doing something for the sake of more? Because I fell into that trap when I was losing weight and it was never going to be enough. No matter how small I got, I would always pick myself apart and it was just more for the sake of more. And it wasn't until I identified what truly matters to me, who I want to become, and you know the things that are most important that I started making decisions based off of that lens instead of the one that wasn't serving me. So long-winded way of answering the question, which is the reps, in my opinion, you got to challenge those thoughts because not every thought is fact. Well, and you're making me think about something really important also when your sister sat down with you and had lunch and tried to like politely bring up this topic and you were defensive about it. So for me personally, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before where like when I was reading Alex's light book and then she was saying, oh, have you, you know, you should get this book. Food is not medicine. And I was like super triggered because I'm like, you're telling me nutrients and food can't heal the body. And then I was like, oh, you got to buy that book because you're getting pretty <laughs> triggered. And so like I feel like those triggers are actually little clues for us that we have a big blind spot. And so like if somebody in your life that you care about is sharing something with you and you're feeling that feeling of trigger, in my opinion, from my personal experience, that's actually your first clue that there might need to be a little bit of investigation, which I know that's really hard to do. But for me, it, it, it is helpful to kind of have the trigger because then it's like, oh, there's my first clue that I got to I got to dig a little deeper. I have a question. You know, I love what you said about you know, the, the reps being challenging thoughts. I think that's such an important part of personal growth is reshaping your belief systems like you're talking about. But how do you address unworthiness? Because, you know, you can give everybody these tools. You could say it's about awareness. It's about creating space. It's about imagining who you want to be in the future and challenging the thoughts that prevent you from getting there. But if somebody has this underlying feeling of unworthiness, they just can't seem to take that first step. And we see that a lot in We Shape, where people are hearing the message, they understand it cognitively, but they're stuck in unworthiness. And it just leaves them feeling really lousy about themselves. And it's hard to get somebody to step outside of that and um, try to take the first step that makes a difference. So how do you tackle that? Yeah. So the first thing that I'll say is that I am not a therapist. Um, I have done a lot of therapy, but I, you know, this is something that I think is, you know, really productive to work through in therapy. But I know that the process is pretty similar in we're just trying to explore. We're trying to navigate and ask more questions. Like, what does worthiness mean to you? 
How, what defines worthiness? How does somebody become worthy? What are all the attributes or the things that somebody has to do that makes them worthy? You just start to question, ask more questions to open up their line of thinking. And a lot of times, as they start to unpack those things, then we can maybe insert, has there ever been a time where, where you did that thing that you just said you know, dictates worthiness? Has there ever been a time right. in your life where you, and then we can maybe pull off of examples, like you know, you're you're employed right now. Has there ever been a time that, you felt like you're, you know, maybe your boss told you you did a good job on a project or maybe you got a raise or, you know, there's, there's these little breadcrumbs that have existed throughout your life that would indicate worthiness based off of your own definition. Or maybe we can challenge the definition of worthiness. Maybe they're associating worthiness with something that, uh, I don't know, we can, we can try to shift that belief to something that's more productive for them um, and just ask more questions. And that, to me, that's always the process is, if I see somebody that's very set in a, in a belief system that's not serving them and they're really holding on to it tightly, I'm just going to be like a fifth grader and I'm just going to keep asking like, why, 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 tell me more. And that's <laughs> like, we're going to keep exploring, we're going to keep peeling back layers. And then eventually through that process, usually we're going to get to something that's like, wait a minute, this isn't adding up because you're saying that it's this over here, but you did that. Like you're saying worthiness is this thing. But then you're saying that you did this thing, but you're also saying you're not worthy. So now there's this, you know, incongruence and, and let's try to, you know, bridge that gap. And again, that's, you know, I'm, I'm not a therapist. That's, that's the process that I've gone through personally, that I've also helped clients in similar situations with nutritional beliefs or things about their body. Uh, you know, when they're very attached to a number, I have to get back to this number I was in high school. It's like, great. Tell me about that. Why are we, why that number? Why back in high school? What did what happened to you in that time that makes you really feel like you want to be reconnected with that person? And we just explore and explore and explore. And oftentimes they come to the, their own conclusion. My feeling is that as a coach, I'm not here to connect the dots. I'm just here to lay the dots out for you and that you connect them for yourself. And, and I think that that's really like the best analogy that I have is they're still steering the ship. We're just kind of the lighthouse. We're like, hey, look at the water over here. Look at the water over here. And they're steering the ship. They get to decide where it goes. Uh, we just want to illuminate all of the available options to them. That's so beautiful. I love that because curiosity is such an important part of you know analyzing your own thoughts and belief systems. And one of the things we do in WeShape is we ask people why. Like, why are you here? And um, we're running a 30-day feel-good challenge right now. And I was on a call when we were talking about whys with a bunch of the people on the challenge. And this one lady spoke and she said, you know, I, I try to take this real seriously. I asked the question why I'm here. And I said, I want to lose weight. And I asked it again. And I kept asking it. And she had eight pages of, of notes after sitting there for like an hour and really analyzing the why. And she's like, the amount of information I got from this one, like, exercise is insane. Just the quantity of beliefs I'm looking at going like, whoa, why am I believing these things? These things are harming me. And these other things of like, wow, this is the real reason why I should be showing up for myself. Such a, such a beautiful thing for um, you to highlight is just that curiosity and that willingness to say, why? Why am I believing this? Why am I believing this? Is this serving me? And just creating tons of curiosity. I love the lighthouse analogy too. That's beautiful. I want to highlight something you said also about um, kind of rewinding a bit here about you being a, a bad writer. And um, I think so many times if we really do that investigation work, we find that that voice that tells us something that we've been saying to ourselves maybe hundreds of times, I'm not good at this, or I'm not allowed to have this, or I shouldn't, blah, 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 comes from someone else. It's so Oof. much of the time. One phrase that someone said to you. It's right? so much oh, of the time God. is a borrowed voice. And I personally believe, and this is something I've practiced in my own life, is if I can borrow that mean voice and then make it my internal loop for 
my whole life maybe, I'm going to borrow someone else's voice that can be kinder. Mm. So like I look at the relationships around me and I'm like, you know, would my friend say that to me? Would this nice, you know, we've just met, but probably Mike wouldn't say that to me, right? Like that might not be true. And that's how I can crack that door to being like, you know, we're going to do some deeper investigation here and see if that's actually a fact or if it's a story I've been telling myself. They might have said it once, but I might have said it a hundred times. And I'm, I'm that powerful voice that can really change that story for myself. Absolutely. Well, Mike, we have, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show today and just get your perspective. And I, I love the work that you're doing and that you're opening the door for other men to do this similar work. And I'd love to be able to offer our listeners like some information about where they can find you. If you can even do like a little book drop where, what's your book called? Where can they, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate it. Uh, this was a great conversation from my perspective as well. Um, so the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. My handle is at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And anybody that has questions, I, I respond to all my messages personally. So feel free to reach out. And um, I have a podcast. It's called Mind Over Macros. And uh, it's on any podcast platform. A lot of what I talk about on the podcast is more in the personal development, type, I would say, <laughs> uh, mindset, personal development um, topics. So if that's your thing, then the podcast is a great place to listen. Uh, my book is called The Personality Diet, which um, I did put diet in the name on purpose because I kind of want to take the word back. I was always mm. so, there's there's a two things that really always triggered me. And you mentioned when there's a trigger, you kind of need to lean in and, and investigate. <laughs> Challenge was one of them because I found myself in a very disordered place after doing a New Year's challenge. And I swore I would never do a challenge. I would never suggest a challenge and and that you know was a trigger for me for a long time and i and i have since recognized that it was my own thing that when done appropriately it can be great to to build a community and have like-minded people together feeling like they're all a part of something um, so that was the first one and diet was another one where it's like it you know we took this word that really just means like the foods that you're eating and the drinks that you're drinking there's no good you know good bad right wrong and different it just is and now there's this like massive negative connotation to it. So uh, I, I was like trying to take the word back. Like the personality diet is, it's really about the things that you do for yourself. Diet being not just nutrition, but the things that you do for yourself that make you feel your best. And that's it. Mm. And that's going to look different for everybody. And that's really what the book is about is like, how do you find your own path to the things that make you feel your best? So those are all the places to uh, connect with me. Amazing. I love that. Well, I'm, again, so grateful for your perspective and for you coming on the show today, and we hope to connect with you again. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week if you need to get in touch with us. As always, we're at podcast at weshape.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. 
And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to WeShape.com slash challenge to sign up.